Welcome back to another week here on MWO Sports brought to you by CoolBet.co. I am Ryan Drury. I'll be joined as always by Clarky and Steve Saber and a couple great special guests for our Christmas special as we will be taking a break for the holiday season. Allison Brown, personal trainer here in Listowel, after officially being recognized for setting the Guinness World Record for most burpees in an hour. It'll astonish you to hear her final tally. She smashed the old record. And we'll chat with Sportsnet prospect guru Sam Cosentino, World Juniors right around the corner. What kind of chance does Canada have of defending gold on home soil? We'll also, as always, chat with our wagering expert Chris Abbott from CoolBet on the upcoming NFL games and some World Juniors odds, of course. We want to lay some money down on that. You're listening to and watching MWO Sports, brought to you by CoolBet.co. This is MWO Sports. Welcome back to another week here on MWO Sports. Ryan Drury joined, as always, by Clarky and Steve Saber in our final show before the Christmas holiday break. And we're very pleased to be joined by another great special guest, personal trainer right here in Listowel, Ontario. Allison Brown joins us. Allison, how are you? Hey, I'm doing all right. How about you guys? We're doing very well. We're excited for the holiday season, and we're very excited for you as well because you are now officially a Guinness Book of World Records record holder. Tell us a little bit about this and and what you did. It was back in the summer when you did this, I believe. Yeah, so the the attempt was back in July. Um, It took this long until last Friday for um, them to actually review all of the evidence that I had to to submit to them to get their stamp of official, officially awesome approval um, to say that I am the new Guinness World Record holder. So I got the email Friday morning. I've been waiting very, I would say impatiently, actually, um, probably for the last four weeks, especially. And it's pretty exciting to know that I did it. Allison, my first question is why? Why would you want to do this? <laughs> it sounds painful. That is a very legit question. I don't think it's the most popular Guinness World Record attempt. I feel like most people would avoid the burpee, obviously. Um, I, I did it for a lot of different reasons. I'm one of the rare breed that just, I do love the burpee. I love everything about what it does for, for the body. It works every single muscle. It works your mind because it sucks so much that you mentally have to be strong to get back up every single time. I like the, the overall umbrella of the metaphor of getting back up, even though it's hard. So um, I'm, I know you can call me strange. <laughs> Some people say crazy, but I actually loved the challenge of having to see how many can I actually get done in a full hour. Uh, Allison, another point uh, I read in an interview that it was something that you were able to show uh, your children focus and, you know, being able to do something an accomplishment that you can prepare for and, and execute. Yeah. So I have three boys ages nine, seven, and four right now. And I wanted to, them to see that we need to, we, we can do anything we set out to do if we work for it. That's kind of our family motto. Like if you work for it, you can have it. Um, so I took them on this journey very much with me. My oldest inspired the journey originally by bringing the the Guinness book home. Um, but I took them on this with me. They literally, they can do burpees probably better than I can. Um, they, they did burpees with me. They practiced with me to prepare for this event. So they saw the kind of work 
hours that had to go into the preparation of getting ready for this. Um, and then they saw me accomplish the task, which was like so fulfilling as a mom um, and as any parent, right, to be able to show them that, yes, you can if you try. Um, they saw me overcome a lot of hurdles along the way. I was supposed to do this attempt in January, but I was very sick in January. So I actually had to cancel the attempt and delay it until I was 100% better. And it took actually quite a long time for me to get fully better and ready to go. So I had to make it July. So they saw me face a lot of obstacles and then have to navigate through that and still decide I'm going to do it no matter what happens. It's just a matter of when, right? So it was, that was the best part. That's why I wanted to do it. I wanted to show them that they can too, if they work for it. Now you mentioned um, evidence that you had to submit. So what type of stuff did you have to put together to say to the people at, at the book of records? Yeah, so so this is no joke, I will say that. I never realized when I submitted the initial application last fall, I was like uh, completely oblivious to the process this actually was going to be. The burpees, I don't want to say they were the easy part because they weren't, but the behind the scenes work of getting, I had to have video footage from front and side of the whole entire event. I had to have two witnesses that I've never met in person before, um, which was a little tricky to find people that you have never met before to come and, and coerce them into watching you for an hour go up and down on the floor. Like it's not really the most entertaining thing to watch, I don't think. Um, and then I also had to get uh, an official timekeeper. And I also had a pacer join me. My best friend, Leona Ottens, who's also a coach at New U, was literally, I think she probably did about 600 burpees herself in that time just to bring me back into the to a quicker pace to be able to stay on, on the time that I needed to hit. Um, so it took a lot of background stuff. The photographer had to take certain pictures of um, me getting measured because the requirements for Guinness, which I also didn't know, was that the burpee looked a little bit different than the burpee I had been training for so many years. I had to, if you watch the video footage, you see my arms come out to the side, not the typical way that I did a burpee or even taught a burpee as a coach, um, but that was their standard. And then their other standard was that my feet had to jump forward half my body distance. So I had to make sure that I hit that line every time or it would be a no rep. And you sure don't want to, you know, waste one repetition on a Guinness World Record attempt. So it was it was a lot of behind the scenes work. And then all of that evidence was submitted. Witness statements were submitted that they actually saw the event happen. Um, and then they reviewed literally every single part of that and then approved it afterwards. So there was a lot to it for sure. Wow. An extensive amount of work for sure. And I mean, I'm sure it's all worth it now because you are now the record holder. I believe the old record was 709 in an hour. You crushed that. I believe your final count was 730 and you were featured in a CBC article and everything like it's a really big deal. And in there, I was reading that you said you were starting to hit a wall around 600. I'd hit a wall around six. So <laughs> I, it's pretty impressive when you hit that wall. It's 600. Like what's going through your mind at that point? Uh, well, to be honest, 
what the heck was I thinking? <laughs> Why did I think I wanted to do this? <laughs> all the, you know, just all the doubts that that would go through your mind when anything gets hard, right? Um, Why did I do this? Oh, I brought all these people here and I'm not going to finish it. Like the negative self-talk, we all have it, right? It's just a matter of when it's going to rear its ugly head. Um, I literally said a prayer at 600. My legs were like lead. So I, I jumped up and they felt like lead at 600. And when I laid back down, I thought, oh, dear God, how am I going to finish this? How am I going to do this? And then Jen Fenton, who's a normal district uh, school board teacher, phys ed teacher, who actually was my witness. I had never met her in person. Um, she was sitting in the corner and she said, you didn't come this far to only come this far. And I know we've heard that one a few times, but it, it was just what I needed when I needed it to be like, okay, yeah, 600, what's another 110, right? If I just have to beat 709. Um, so honestly, I got back up because of those words in my head. And um, even though it was hard, I was able to finish, which is amazing. Even I, like I was watching the video back a couple of days ago with my oldest son. And even I am like, wow, how did I even do that? <laughs> it's, it amazed me. So it's not an easy feat, that's for sure. Allison, how popular has this been as it, the story grows? How many interviews have you done? How many people have reached out to you to talk to you? And I imagine quite a few. Yeah, it's actually been, it's been so fun. Honestly, I've had, I think I've had about 14 interviews now. I am officially booked for breakfast television, the national show. Um, that'll be airing on December 30th. I'm super excited for that. Um, and actually I've had people come into the studio just to meet me, which I'm like, I, I'm, I was looking behind me when they said it's you, I was like, who? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm not anybody special. I'm just like everybody else. I just, you know, I just wanted to do a whole bunch of burpees. That was all. That's the only difference, I guess. Um, so yeah, it's been really fun to, to just experience the whole whirlwind of what this is. Um, and what I love is the one girl that I met on the street a couple of days ago in Listowel, she said, you gave people hope. And that meant so much to me because that's what this is all about. It has been a hard year. And to know that I got to contribute to the news being positive for even a second in people's lives right now is just, that's what, that's what I do. That's why I love to do what I get to do. Right. So that's what it's about. I was going to ask you what uh, hurt after, but I think maybe it'll be a shorter answer if I ask you what didn't hurt after. Anything? Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. I, I honestly, even my toes hurt, <laughs> even the muscles in my feet hurt. Uh, there was not a single muscle that didn't, but I will say what hurt the most actually was my abs. So if anybody wonders how you get, you know, nice, strong stomach, it's definitely burpees, obviously easier way into them, do them safely. There's lots of modifications, but it is definitely a core exercise after all. <laughs> uh, you mentioned about the positivity and you do some personal training. Um, is there anything that you do or you would suggest to people, especially headed into the winter months, we're still in the pandemic. How do you stay focused and positive? I think you need to have a goal. And then I think you also need to have a group of people around you that are going to hold you accountable to that goal. Um, so as hard as it can be, if you want to, you know, if your goal is to, I want to go for a walk four days a week, or I want to run 5k or whatever it is, it's really healthy to tell people that and tell your loved ones that and get them on board with that. So that, you know, they might annoy you on a Friday night when you don't want to go and do the thing that's going to get you closer to your goal. 
but they'll also hold you accountable and nudge you and say, hey, get off the couch. You said you were going to do this 5K, like get training. We need, people need people, right? We need people to hold us accountable. Um, I had my boys holding me accountable. I had my husband in my corner all the way reminding me like, okay, but you said you were going to do your training. So go do that first. I had my best friend Leona there a hundred percent of the way with me doing doing all the grueling stuff with me. So it takes having those people that will hold you accountable, surrounding yourself with the people that want to see you succeed. That makes a huge difference. Um, if you if you watch back even the last five minutes, I wouldn't advise the whole hour because that can be a little grueling, but even the last five minutes of my attempt, you will hear all the screaming. Danette Wand, my phys ed teacher, who was the official timekeeper, my grade 10 phys ed teacher, um, she's, you could hear her yelling, like, come on, Allison, come on. It takes people cheering us on to be able to accomplish anything. Um, and it's very difficult coming into the winter months. We can easily lose focus. We can easily get in a slump. I think the first thing I would tell anybody is do not beat yourself up. A lot of people have said to me, you know, I gained a lot of weight this year. I, I My eating habits were crappy. And, you know, I get that. We've had a hard year all around and people cope differently. And some people cope with food and some people cope by just throwing all their, you know, their goals out the window. You can't beat yourself up for being human. You just need to pick up the next day and decide today's going to be different than yesterday. And it's just one step at a time forward will get you further ahead rather than just taking that step back and beating yourself up for not being where you want to be. So get around good people. That's my, my number one advice. Get around the people that are going to hold you accountable to whatever it is you want to achieve. Allison, before we let you go, I just want to make sure that I was some sort of inspiration as your former next door neighbor for doing this. I'm sure you saw all the hard work I would put into the house every day. No, I'm kidding. Um, the last <laughs> thing I want to ask you is what is next, Allison? You must have another goal to maybe break another record. What's next? I definitely have another goal. Um, I never thought I would say this. Actually, I did a, a marathon before. I'm I'm considering running another marathon. It might not be an official event as things are canceled, but I'm going to maybe clock out 42k and and work up to that. So that's number one. And I my original goal for this burpee uh, challenge was 800 reps. So. Um, I am two years away from my 40th birthday and I might set out to tackle this one more time and hit that 800 rep goal for the big four zero. So those are the, just a couple of the goals. Steve, we should look into how long, like uh, the squash marathon, maybe how long we can play squash <laughs> together and, oh, and set a record. We're, yeah. we're just about there, Clarkie. I think, uh, you know, if we get past <laughs> that hour mark without falling on to the ground, we'll be good. We played two hours one day. That's got to be close, I would we think. Did. Yeah, we did. Anyway, you thanks, You should Allison. Google it because you just never know, right? Yeah, I'd be, I'd be afraid so to find out. I think I'd be afraid to find out. Yeah, I'll, I'll file the paperwork for you, boys, for sure. <laughs> well, Allison, this is extremely inspiring, like Steve said, and, and like that woman said to you, yeah, I think you've definitely given a lot of people around the community hope and really people around the country that read this story. I mean, it's really inspiring stuff. Congratulations on being a Guinness World Record holder and for having a record that's actually pretty cool. I mean, you know, there's the guy in there with the longest fingernails and stuff at least <laughs> you put like some work into your record um before we let you go like clarky said um i'm sure a lot of people are going to be inspired to be getting fit and will want to be coming to you for advice uh, i know you're down at new you studio how can people get in touch with you guys and get involved 
Yeah, so they can email us at info at newyoustudio.ca. We also have a website, www.newyoustudio.ca. Would love to help you in any way that we can, for sure. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Absolutely. It was, a, it was a great pleasure. Hope to run into you in town at some point and uh, get some burpee tips from you. You are the one to go awesome. to for it. So <laughs> congratulations, Allison. We really appreciate this. Thank you. Thank you so much, guys. All right. We'll take a quick break here. When we come back, we will chat with Sportsnet's prospect guru, Sam Cosentino, World Juniors just around the corner. What kind of chances do Canada have of defending gold here on home soil? You're listening to and watching MWO Sports brought to you by CoolBet.co. This is MWO Sports. Welcome back to MWO Sports, brought to you by CoolBet.co. Ryan Drury alongside Clarkie and Steve Sabrin. We've got another great special guest on the program. Sportsnet's prospect guru, the expert himself, Mr. Sam Cosentino on the program. Sam, how are you? Yeah, doing great, guys. Great to be on. I think we have something to talk about. <laughs> we'll see, I guess. <laughs> I guess we'll find out. Uh, and for our viewers live from Golden Gate and the mustache, too, take us through this. Uh, California Golden Seals, Dennis Marouk. Nice. I like it. I'm a Capitals fan, too. I like the connection. Sorry. I'm making gonna... one of 27, maybe your 30, 60 goal guys. Now, yes. Now, you also yes. w- worked with the Blue Jays for a while. Was Dennis Lamp? Because Dennis Lamp had one, yes. didn't he? Yes, he yes, did. Yes, he did. <laughs> yeah. Was that before your time, though? Well, it was right around right around my time. I think his acquisition was, if not my first year or second year with the Jays in '87. Yeah, I think that pretty close. Close, yeah, cool. Some classic names for sure. And uh, hey, man, you're rocking it really well. Better than I could. I can't pull that off at all. Uh, One thing we're wondering if it does get pulled off successfully is, of course, the World Juniors. It's right around the corner. Boy, Sam, I mean, obviously we knew there was going to be some issues with COVID. It's affected all sports. But man, this tournament has gone through some hiccups to get even just players there. Oh man, you know, the chartered flights and the weight and the refueling from three different European kind of hubs. And then obviously Canada with its protective environment that quickly changed to a secure bubble um, and in one of the hottest spots in the country. So, you know, I think it's, it's, it's definitely a debatable issue as to whether or not the tournament uh, should have even gotten this far. Um, You know, having said that, I think everyone feels pretty comfortable that once in the bubble that, they'll be good to go. So I'm not so sure I'm, I'm part of that. I I think honestly, it's just like everything else in 2020. It's a, it's a day to day thing, a day by day thing. So, you know, just because we got through today, does it mean we're going to be able to kind of get through that next hurdle? You know, I guess a lot of that remains to be seen. Sam, how weird has this been? Obviously with, with COVID is one thing, but also with COVID happening and the players not playing, like usually at this time of year, we are like full force, ready to go, know the players who are going. I couldn't tell you more than three guys right now. How weird has that part of it been for you? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm lucky because I have such a great history and most of these guys I've watched play for two and some some of them three years. So I'm lucky in that regard that I was pretty familiar with who was going and how it sorted out. But you're right. We would have had some games on Sportsnet already that would have showed you our Canada-Russia series. So you would have been familiar with a good portion of the Russian players and you would have been familiar with all but, uh, you know, the three NCAA players 
would have played in that Canada-Russia series, plus a couple of regular season games in which these players may have appeared. That opportunity never presented itself. I mean, the Quebec League kind of got off to a good start. The Maritimes were rocking and rolling. They got slowed down. The Quebec teams got slowed down right away. They went into a bubble to try and play catch-up, and, you know, it's uh, it's all quite quite a mess right now, just, just like everything else. But it is – it's odd to see, like, you haven't been able to see anything live. And and I'm I'm getting sick of video. I can't imagine what NHL scouts are going through. Speaking of which, um, let's get to know the Canadian team a little bit because, as Clarkie said, you know, how many players do we actually know? We know some returning players, but can you give us a little bit of insight about what we can expect as Canadian fans? Yeah, for sure. A, a really a really deep team. So I think starting from the coaching staff, uh, Mitch Love comes back from last year. Andre Tournier moves from the assistant job to the head job. You know, the addition of Michael Dick, I think, is is really key. Jason LaBarbera comes back as the, as the goalie coach. Um, the three goalies are, are somewhat of an unknown, although um, each of them has had their varied level of success. Taylor Gochi is a right catch guy who came in in relief for the Helenka Gretzky tournament a couple of years ago to help Canada beat Sweden for the gold medal there. Dylan Grant is a guy who, who through injury really became a key part of, of getting Kamloops into the playoffs going back a couple of years ago as a 16 year old and, and helped them, uh, you know, get through, um, you know, a pretty tough stretch just to get into the playoffs. And then you got Devin Levi, who's a, a tier two guy who was absolutely brilliant for Canada uh, East at the World Junior A Challenge Day Tournament MVP. When I look at the back end, uh, anchored by the two returnees, you got Bowen Byram, a Colorado pick. you got Jamie Drysdale, an Anaheim pick. Those guys will eat likely between 25 and 30 minutes a game and likely play as a pair with Byron on the left and, and uh, Drysdale on the right. And then you've got some variants there. you got Thomas Harley is a big rushing defenseman, uh, played with Dallas uh, in the bubble. Then you got Justin Barron, you know, a guy who's come into his own, got through some blood clot issues with Halifax. Uh, Caden Gooley, first-round pick of Montreal. And, you know, you can go on and on. And You look at the forward group, I think every one of them is a first-rounder. So of the group of 25, because the roster's been expanded, um, you're looking at uh, – Nine OHLers, or you know, I think nine WHLers, eight OHLers, four Quebec League, three NCAA guys, twenty first round picks in that group. It's it's a really really deep group, no question. Sam, what uh, European teams have been playing so far this year, and do you think that's going to be a huge advantage for them and those players who are playing for their countries? Yeah, I, I think it's a I think it's an advantage. I mean, some of them have, have played in their respective leagues, and a lot of them in the pro leagues, uh, whether it be in the Liga in Finland, uh, you know, the Czech extra Liga, so on and so forth. So some games have been played. The Russians have been playing the Cariola Cup. I know some players participated in that event as well. Um, but it's not like they've played you know thirty or forty games, which you might have played to this point. Um, you know, you had some experience in the Quebec major junior hockey league. Um, you know, a couple of the NCAA guys, I believe have, have gotten into games already, uh, but it's going to be an advantage. Uh, you know, players take that off season or in this case, the pandemic season to train and to work out. And so you want to be able to apply all of those things that you worked on during the time off. And those who've been able to apply that in a game situation have a much better uh, leg up on the group that has just been playing inner squad or hasn't played nearly as many games. 
Sam, obviously a, a decent returning player contingent here for Canada this year. Obviously up front, great to have Quinton Byfield come back, Dylan Cousins, Connor McMichael, pardon me, and Dawson Mercer, who can all put the puck in the net and play good, solid two-way games. Obviously you mentioned Bowen Byram and Jamie Drysdale, so they've got two pillars on defense. Goaltending-wise, though, it's going to be an interesting look. It always is. Canada, over the last number of years, have, you know, outside of Carter Hart probably, have had, you know, an up-and-down goaltending situation at times. Tell us a bit about the goaltenders that are going to be involved with this team and who is likely, in your mind, to seize the job. Yeah, so I think this situation is really interesting to me because you have three different guys, three different personalities, three different styles. And 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 I'll start with Taylor Goche. Um, you know, as a right catch guy, super athletic guy, um, really competitive, has struggled at times with his confidence throughout the years playing in Prince George. You have Dylan Grand, who's more reserved, a little bit more introverted. He's very technical. He's efficient. He's more of the classic goaltender, I guess you'd say. Um, you know, Clark, I know you like that one. And then you got uh, Devin Levi, who's like that battler. He'll just do whatever he has to do to stop the puck. And it might not always look pretty. It might not always be the orthodox way in which you're supposed to play the position, but very effective at it. I mean, this guy's had crazy numbers going back to Lac St. Louis in his minor hockey days, you know, into Carlton Place last year, won the CCHL goalie of the year. Um, and then, of course, the World Junior A Challenge we talked about. He's now at Northeastern, yet has not played a game there. So when I look at the three personalities, you know, you got Levi, who's kind of in your face and really has a confidence about him and has a bit of a chip on his shoulder because he's a smaller guy who's been told he can't do it. You know, drafted fifth from the bottom last year by Florida, uh, 212th overall. And then you've got Goche, who went through the disappointment of not being drafted. And then you have Garand, who was drafted in the fourth round by the Rangers this year. So really, they're kind of all over the map. This competition absolutely fascinates me. And I think Goche will probably be given the, the, the most opportunity or the most leash because he's the oldest of the group. Um, but I do think Devin Levi at some point will, will have a say in things for Canada. Uh, looking at the, you mentioned uh, the players training, working out. I'm curious to see what the conditioning is going to be like, because you can do as many workouts as you want, but until you get into a game situation, and this is a compressed tournament as well, a lot of ice in a short amount of time, what's the conditioning going to be like? So I think it was going to be pretty good until the, the <laughs> excuse me, the 14 day quarantine. And it probably would have been okay if it wasn't for the most recent quarantine that they're in. The problem you have, Steve, when you come back now from this and you're, getting into some pre-tournament games is you have to know how to balance the pedals because if you push these guys and you want to play them like you're already in the tournament you risk guys being at injury because of the inactivity you know let's say 19 out of you know whatever 20 25 or 26 days um, by the same token you want your guys up to game speed now the one advantage Canada does have is I do believe that the three preliminary games that they start the tournament with uh, will provide a level of competition that will allow them to play everybody and ease themselves into the tournament. Where it's going to start to get difficult is on New Year's Eve against Finland, and that's the game that will likely decide the top position in the pool, so it should have some meaning and some importance to it. Um, what is the interesting part about all this is that you know Canada is going to get Sweden and Russia in the pre-tournament games, which doesn't usually happen, but it will give them a sense of 
what type of conditioning they're going to need to have because those teams will have played a little bit more recently than most of the Canadians. We're chatting with uh, Sportsnet prospect guru Sam Cosentino live from the Golden Gate Bridge. And uh, Sam, I, I want to ask you, you bring up Sweden and Russia, two teams that are traditionally among, you know, the top three, quote unquote. Finland always sticks their nose in things. You can never count the Finns out. A number of people have said that on this show in recent weeks, and it's true. But with Sweden now missing, I believe it's three players, including Willie Wallander, who will not be coming along with their head coach, Tom and Martin. They, he's not going to be there either. I mean, I, I think that puts them maybe at a bit of a disadvantage. And I always am curious about Russia. They're a team that just, <laughs> you know, you just never really know what you're going to get with the Russians. Sometimes they show up and they're ready to play right away and they put on a dominant performance. So, sometimes it looks like they're going to get eliminated in the round robin and they turn around and they win a gold medal. What is your impression of their team this year? Would you say they're the main contender for Canada? Well, I you know, I think I'll start with the Swedes first, and that is a fascinating story. Uh, Alvin Greve, uh, Wallander, William Eklund, who's a guy who eligible for the draft this year, was likely to be in one of their top two center spots. And then you have the fixture, the coach, uh, Thomas Montan, that you talked about that that won't be there. So that's going to be really odd. And, and it'll be interesting to see how they communicate with uh, Joel Ronmark, who's now the, the named coach, to see how much of an input you can have from being that far away. Now, as we know, and what we're doing, you know, through Zoom and whatever else, but sometimes when it comes to those in-game decisions, you know, Ron Mark's going to have to make those on his own. He's going to have to act swiftly. He doesn't want to lose the group. Um, they got the 52-game preliminary game win streak uh, going right now, so that's going to be challenged here pretty quickly. But they're really experienced on the back, and they have high-end guys, Suderstrom, Bjornfot, Broberg, you know, anchor the back end, Emil Andre. You know, up front, you got Holtz and Raymond. So there's two guys right there that you know are, are going to perform well. So you, you can't count this group out. Um, then I look at the Russians, and they are a, a bit of a different group than I think we're used to seeing. Under Valerie Bragan, the, the, the coach, I think he's done nine of the last 10 or 12 World Juniors as Russia's head coach. He leaned heavily towards big, tough, bruising, physical defensemen who are more puck movers than puck rushers. He really leaned on his 19-year-old players kind of aging as close to the line as possible. Didn't particularly play his younger players a lot. And I think at times he was he was tough on the goaltenders. And with Igor Larionov, a lot of those things I think are going to change. You're probably going to see uh, you know, a more mobile um, defense that's going to be into being you know the fourth player on the rush. Uh, you're going to see them move pucks quickly and efficiently to get it into the skilled forward group hands and I think some of these younger players whether it's Groshev or Amarov who was just drafted last year Toronto Maple Leafs pick even Pod Coles and now in his third third tournament I think you're going to see those guys with maybe the the shackles unleashed a little bit and I think what I would expect from Igor Larionov is more of an old school puck possession you know circle back uh, type of team that uh, you know doesn't want to give up the puck. So I'm fascinated to see how that dynamic works. And then, of course, you have Yaroslav Askarov, the goaltender, who I think single-handedly can steal a tournament. I, I really do. I think that highly of him. Sam, I want to get talking a little bit about the business end of this. And without fans in the stands this year, and obviously the tournament is in Canada a lot of the time, I believe it's in Canada again next year, um, it's probably because Canada supports this tournament, obviously better than any other country and gets the support. Where does the monies go for this tournament and how much of a hit are they going to take? Obviously they're going to take a huge hit without fans in the stands this year. 
Yeah, it'll be huge. So I, there's definitely some ten, TV revenue to be generated, and that's probably the driving force behind pushing this tournament forward. I think we need to be honest about that. Uh, but I'm not sure exactly how the dispersal of funds works, but I will tell you this, between private charter travel from Europe, between you know Canada putting up its players uh, in a hotel for 50 days, but you know having that protective bubble environment um you know there's there's a lot of cost and the testing i can't imagine what the testing uh would be costing the double ihf and, and i'm sure hockey canada is paying uh, some some portion of it to subsidize it um but you you can't turn your back on on the business side of things when it comes to the dispersal of funds from what hockey canada is able to receive from this they try and pump it back into um you know the the equality in the game um, trying to get into some areas uh, in the country that maybe aren't so well off to provide them equipment, grassroots level funding, um, you know, all, all of that younger stuff to, to continue to grow the game. Some of it does go back to the CHL for its loaning of the players to the tournament. Um, and as far as the rest of it goes, I, I wouldn't be particularly knowledgeable, but how much would be left after all they've spent to put it on? And is this tournament like, past the point of no return in the sense that, you know, in Ontario, we're hearing a lot about a possible uh, another lockdown coming in uh, shortly. Um, Alberta is, as you mentioned, a hotbed for COVID right now. Um, can the government turn around and say, no, can't do the tournament at the last minute, or are they ready to go? Well, if things, you know, keep progressing, we haven't heard anything out of the bubble, at least I haven't to this point about, you know, any sort of the testing and the protocols and, and what's happened to this point. Uh, but I I look at it as a day-to-day -day thing. I think because you get through today doesn't mean you'll get through tomorrow, not necessarily. But I know a lot of people feel really confident about the bubble situation that's presented. And you have to think that if they can get into there after playing these pre-tournament games, then they have a shot to make this thing work. Now, when you're bringing all these people from different countries, of course, some of them flew together, uh, but now you're getting into intense competition where there's heavy breathing and there's, you know, there's physical contact and that sort of thing. So if, for example, everyone has passed it through the passed through the testing protocols and for some reason someone is asymptomatic and they weren't showing signs of it and five and six days later they have it and it spreads to a team, it's going to be tough to see how, especially if that team gets against another team, how they'd be able to, to, to move on with it. The thing that everyone has to be very uh, clear about is there's no doubt it's going to come with some risk attached to it. And then if you're a native Albertan, you know, that might be an interesting pill for you to have to swallow that if you can't get into a hospital bed because someone from um, another country who's participating in the tournament, a staff or a player has that bed you know, you, you wouldn't feel all that great about the tournament being played. So I know they've done as much as they possibly could to, to mitigate, um, you know, someone coming over. We've saw players that and coaches, obviously, that were eliminated before even getting on a plane. But I, I don't know if they're out of the woods quite yet. Final one here for you, Sam. I mean, the World Juniors, despite having challenges this year, it's still going to be a fun watch. We hope it's all safe and that everybody is healthy. You've been covering the tournament and covering prospects for an awful long time. What are some of your favorites, or do you have a, a standout favorite memory from the tournament that every time this calendar time rolls around, you think of immediately? Yeah, I think a lot about Thomas Shabbat a couple of years ago on that, uh, you know, on that gold medal team for for Canada. It was, uh, you know, at the Air Canada Centre and the Montreal split. I think about 2009, the performance by both John Tavares and Jordan Everly, the, the cardiac kids, 
if you will, you can't help but uh, reminisce about the 05 team with, with Bergeron and Crosby and Getzlaff and just how hard, heavy, and physical they played. Dion Phaneuf was a big big part of that team. So those would be some of the things that, that I think about and, and hearken back to as, as, you know, ones that jump out in my mind. Yeah, Canada's uh, produced a lot of fun memories at this tournament. Sam Cosentino of Sportsnet, he is the prospect guru. You can follow him on social media and pay attention to all the great analysis he does. We're looking forward to a great World Junior Tournament. We really appreciate you doing this, Sam. Thanks so much. Yeah, thanks, Ryan. Thanks, Steve. Clarky, always good to see you, pal. Thanks to our buddy Sam Cosentino from Sportsnet for joining us to preview the World Junior Tournament. We'll be right back with our wagering expert, Chris Abbott from CoolBet. You're listening to and watching MWO Sports, brought to you by CoolBet.co. This is MWO Sports. Welcome back to MWO Sports, brought to you by CoolBet.co. To wrap things up for the week, Brian Drury still here with Clarkie and Steve Sabrin. We're pleased to be joined once again by our wagering expert from CoolBet, Chris Abbott. Chris, how you doing, buddy? Good, fellas. Yeah, I was on vacation there last week, so I uh, apologize for missing the show. But, uh, yeah, let's pick it up here. I heard you did well in my absence. I did do well. Hey, man, we all need a vacation, right? Uh, Absolutely. <laughs> as brief as it was, I, I'm back. I'm back in the saddle. Thank goodness. Uh, let's uh, let's dig into the World Juniors. You guys have odds up on the World Juniors. Obviously, Canada the favorite here. But let's talk a little bit about some of the long shots that could maybe uh, you know produce some decent money for you if you were to lay them down on, say, a Sweden, a Russia. Who's kind of the betting favorite to make you some money? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. It's hard to say because no normally we've seen a lot of these junior players here in North America and we know who to be excited about and all that, but it, it, obviously they haven't been playing. So one of the things that I kind of am looking at, especially early in the tournament, because, uh, you know, you'll be able to bet individual games as well, is uh, these Czech players, these Finnish players, these Swedish players who've been playing like professional men's hockey, um, you know, coming over and, and playing. I, I think Canada the U.S. especially, are, are, are going to be at a disadvantage starting this tournament. So um, I'd watch out for the Finns and the Swedes and the Czechs, especially early on. And, like, I don't think the Czech Republic wins. Like, their junior program has certainly gone a little bit downhill over the last few years. But they're 39-1 to 1 to win the tournament. It wouldn't hurt to put a couple of dollars on them just in case. And then, you know, Finland to finish top three at plus 150 is a bet I like, or to win at 9-1. to 1. You can never count out the Finns at these international tournaments. So, yeah, Canada's the favorite. And, yeah, we'll certainly see a lot of betting action from Canada because, obviously, that's where the tournament's the biggest. But uh, yeah, there's there's definitely some countries that uh, that you could look at for sure. What are some of the things that you can uh, put money on, Chris? Like periods, shots on net, pucks flipped, hitting cameras. <laughs> that one won't happen. Yeah, we, we're gonna we're gonna just pretend that never happened and take the gold medal. Um, yeah, it's uh, right now you can bet on the two groups and the overall uh, top three finish and where teams will finish head to head in the tournament. So. Uh, for example, if you think Sweden is going to finish higher than Finland or Finland is going to finish higher than Sweden, you can bet on that. There's some options there. And then when we get into the games, yeah, you'll be able to you know, bet on winner, loser, the total goals. Uh, I'm presuming we're going to have period by period betting shots on goal props and things like that. Um, I, I can't totally confirm that. But if I think back to last year, I know we had a really, really good offer and, and some good live betting options as well, where, you, you know, if a team is down after the first, say, say you know, like I'm talking about, Canada starts the tournament slow and, and maybe they get down to, I don't know, 
I don't even know who's in their group. Let's say they're playing Switzerland early. I don't know their schedule. I should. And they're down a couple of goals. And you know they're going to come back, so you bet it, and, and you'll get a better number. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Uh, I'll tell you this much. If you've watched the World Juniors the last number of years, hammer Sweden in the round robin. They never lose in the round robin. I believe they've won 42 straight round robin games. I don't care who they're playing. Hammer Sweden, even without their four missing players, and their head coach, who is not here because of COVID, still hammer the Swedes and uh, hammer Connor McMichael to lead the tournament in goals. Uh, my boy from the London Knights, future Washington Capital, he's going to lead the tournament in goals. I'm calling it at nine total. Uh, let's talk a little bit. We will have, uh, sorry, Ryan, we will have top uh, score odds as well um, a little later on. So, yes, the Hamilton Bulldogs draft pick, Connor McMichael, will, uh, will potentially be up there, up top. I think McMichael might lead in goals. I don't know about total points. Maybe hammer Quinton Byfield. Good Canadian boy up in Sudbury there. Uh, all right, let's talk about the NFL this week. We're getting down to crunch time. Playoff battles are alive and well. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They're playing Atlanta this week. I mean, they are holding on for dear life at this point, and Brady really needs a win. Uh, you know, the whole narrative of him leaving Bill Belichick and the safety of New England. I mean, it looked good early in the season it hasn't looked good lately uh can they get by the falcons and solidify a you know potential spot in the playoffs well it's interesting you're leading off with this one because this is the one game that i've got no interest in betting on this week because two teams that uh like i said to somebody earlier today this game could be 13 to 10 final or it could be 54 to 51 and I, I don't know what it's going to be. Probably somewhere in the middle, right? But um, yeah, Matt Ryan has not looked great. Julio Jones has been injured. Uh, there's some value maybe on Calvin Ridley, Russell Gage prop bets. Uh, and the Bucks, you just don't know who's going to show up each week. And if they're able to scheme up a plan that makes Tom throw the ball downfield, like we've seen, I, I, six points is a lot for Tampa to cover on the road, I think. Um, now, I could be wrong. They could win by 30, but I think that's a big number for them to cover on the road. I might be interested in, in putting the Falcons in a teaser leg or uh, put Tampa in a money line parlay somewhere along the way. One of those two things. But again, it's, it's a game that I just I, I have no real feel for because I have no real feel for either of these teams. I think I always expect the Falcons to be better and, and each week. They're, they're generally not. Yeah, they've been the most disappointing team, arguably, in the NFL this year, certainly. Here's a tasty matchup, one that I'm definitely looking forward to watching, and it's Seattle-Washington. Now, the Seahawks have had a weird couple weeks. Of course, they lose to the Giants with no Daniel Jones and, of course, Saquon Barkley. And then you've got the, the Washington football team really on the rise under Ron Rivera. This defense is legit. They're scary. They've got good offensive weapons. I love Terry McLaurin and everything that he's about. Who do you like in this one? Yeah, if Antonio Gibson's in this game, I think you're looking at a spread more of about three or four points. Right now, it's a six-point Seattle favorite. Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm on this Washington bandwagon as well. Their defense is great. Seattle's offensive line, not necessarily all that awesome. So if Russell Wilson doesn't have the time to get those deep throws down the field to uh, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, then, you know, I think Washington keeps this one close. I'm not sure on the quarterback situation in Washington this week. I know Alex Smith left the game injured last week. Dwayne Haskins came on and, and, and like, we haven't seen him forever. He's, what, like the fourth quarterback on that team now? So, um yeah, is the guy who started the year. But I, I like this Washington D. Uh, the total's at 44. 
that's a really low total. Um, but you know, the, the, this front four for the Washington football team is, is better and better every week. So take a defensive or special teams touchdown in this game. And, uh, yeah, maybe lean towards Washington or maybe you put Washington and Atlanta in that, uh, teaser and bring them both up to a couple of touchdowns. I like that play. Absolutely. And you're right, Washington. They are legit on the defensive side of the football. Let's talk KC and New Orleans. New Orleans taking a knock last week at the hands of Philadelphia and one Jalen Hurts. Uh, Can they bounce back against a Kansas City team that, let's be honest, defensively, they are not Washington. They are prone to give up big points against talented players. I mean, what do you see out of this one? This could be explosive or it could be low scoring like the other game in, in Tampa. Yeah, total set of 51. So that's about the average uh, total in the, in the NFL. I, I like KC at minus three here. They have not been covering spreads. And I think that that's a big reason why this spread is only at three points. I'm seeing the juices on minus three now, so it'll probably tick up a little bit more. I think we saw Taysom Hill kind of come back to earth a little bit last week against Philadelphia. This New Orleans defense isn't all that great either. So over 51 is, is probably a, a solid play in this game. Uh, late window on Sunday afternoon. But uh, I'm, I'm with the Chiefs here. Uh, they always find a way to win, right? Whether they cover big spreads or not is another thing. But uh, if, if it's a team that always finds a way to win and it's only three points, yeah, give me the, uh, I, I think, the undisputed best team in the NFL uh, at minus three right now for sure. Yeah, I agree. Kansas City is just the safest money line play in the NFL right now. They're always on my money line parlays, and they always usually come through for me. They've only got one loss all year to the Raiders, and they've fallen apart. Uh, Chris, before we let you go this week, want to talk to you about a little bit of combat sports news. Jake Paul is going to fight, or it's Logan Paul, actually. He's going to fight Floyd Mayweather. Is this something that you guys anticipate you'll see some action on? I mean, is this fight even worth betting on? I'm looking to see right now if we've even got odds up on it. It's so ridiculous. Uh, it's an amateur you know, match. The last, the, you know, I, I think what you're going to see is sports books are going to be a little bit turned off by what happened. Oh, yeah, we do have it. Uh, Floyd Mayweather minus 5,000. Uh, <laughs> Logan Paul plus 1,500. Uh, people are really turned off by what happened in the in the Tyson fight there a couple weeks ago, an exhibition yeah. that ended in a draw. Like, people aren't going to tie their money up in this. Um, I mean, the odds are there. I'm sure we'll take bets on Logan Paul because people want to have take that shot. Um, and I mean, who knows, right? The, you can't, <laughs> how do I say this diplomatically? I want to be diplomatic. For years, there's been rumors about things being fixed in boxing. And now in an exhibition fight, um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't put my money anywhere near it uh, because you don't know what might happen. I agree. It's uh, it's definitely one of the weirder pieces of news. It's it's very 2020. We'll say that it's and not, it's not good for boxing. I don't think. No, I mean, I think they might be looking to get a bit of a spotlight back on their sport, but this is certainly not the way. Absolutely not. Uh, it's ridiculous, frankly. In legitimate combat sports news, Conor McGregor, he is going to come back and fight in the UFC at least one more time. Believe they've scheduled a fight for him sometime in June in Vegas, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, just talk about McGregor and what he does for sites like Cool Bet. I mean, there is always action around Conor. He's got to be one of the most bet on athletes ever. Yeah, uh, I don't know. We've got a line here for him and Dustin Poirier, but I think that's a fictitious one. I don't know that that's been set. Um, yeah, I mean, anytime Conor McGregor fights, it's absolutely huge for for betting sites. There's no two ways about it. Even if he's retired 74 times uh, and keeps coming back, it's he's the ultimate showman. He he 
talks people into the seats like you hear about the old WWF wrestlers were able to do like uh you know Ric Flair and Dusty Rose and these guys would talk guys into the arena and uh, that's what Conor McGregor does and he talks people into buying pay-per-views and he talks people into betting um from a fighting perspective he's great to bet against right now because he's nowhere near what he was and he's not as hungry as he was um and he doesn't have when he doesn't, when he fights and he doesn't have that huge like Irish following behind him, he's just an Irish guy in the ring in an empty arena. So I'd be betting against him because the money will come in on him. Uh, looking forward to that. But yeah, uh, to answer your question, it's absolutely massive. And I'll take all the Conor McGregor's, all the Habib Nurmagomedov's, uh, anyone like that, any big names you can get. Uh, for example, if I'm watching UFC or if I'm talking about it and I say, oh, I'm watching the fights tonight and people say, who's fighting? And the answer last week was Brandon Moreno and Davison Figueredo. And, and if you're not a fight fan, you don't know who those guys are, even though they're awesome. But if I say Conor McGregor, people ask a follow-up question. So that's he's mainstream, and that and that's that's really big. Absolutely. It'll be exciting to see him in the ring again. I'm definitely looking forward to it. He is our wagering expert, Chris Abbott from CoolBet.co. Make sure you get in on the action this weekend and, of course, on the World Juniors. And, hey, when Conor comes back around, maybe get in on that as well. Chris, we really appreciate this, buddy. Thanks. Absolutely. Cheers, boys. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, buddy. We appreciate it. And hey, we appreciate all you listening to and watching this show throughout the year. We know it's been a tough one. Uh, we took a little break earlier in the year and, and managed to come back when the NHL and baseball fired back up. Uh, basketball as well. Uh, I think we were definitely all blessed to have sports back on the calendar and we're appreciative of that and appreciative of all of you listening to and watching the show. Remember, we're on YouTube now. You can follow us there and watch all the episodes after they air air on Whiteman TV Friday nights at eight Sunday nights at nine. Uh, you can listen to the show every Friday just after six on CKNX AM 920 streaming on CKNX.ca. We're also on all the best podcast apps. You can follow us on social media. Hey, we really appreciate you guys listening to and watching MWO sports brought to you by coolbet.co. I'm Ryan Drury. That is Clarkie. That is Steve Sabrin, our wagering expert, Chris Abbott. Have a Merry Christmas and a happy holidays, everybody. Stay safe. <laughs>